Section seventeen of Memoirs of Miss Sidney Biddulph. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Memoirs of Miss Sidney Biddulph by Francis Sheridan. Volume two continued. November the twentieth. Mr. Arnold has arrived in town. He came late last night, and his man called this morning to inquire how I did. The poor fellow stole out before his master was up, and was afraid of staying a minute lest he should be wanted at home. I called him up to the dining-room. I saw an honest shame and sorrow in his countenance. "'How does your master do, Frank?' said I. "'Has he brought the children to town?' no madam said he but they are pure and hearty i believe my master thought it a pity to bring them out of the fresh air as long as mistress patty is there to look after them they are better where they are i asked him was mr arnold come to town to make any stay i believe for good and all said he this ugly lawsuit to be sure will detain him but he has come alone said he with an intelligent nod i don't suppose though he will continue long so well frank said i i am glad to hear your master and the children are well ah madam shaking his head as he opened the door to go out it was a woeful day for us when you left south park god give every one their reward november the twenty second i have not seen my brother these two days he does not know i believe that mr arnold is come to town though if he did i am sure he will not break his word so that i am easy on that particular my mother says she will go to mr arnold herself to reason with him a little i shall not oppose it though i have no hopes of her being able to effect anything in my favour she is now laid up with a cold and is not able to come out of her room but she pleases herself with the thoughts of this visit as soon as she is able to make it she has planned what she intends to say to him and is resolved to let him into the whole history of miss birchill that he may know she says the full extent of mrs gerard's wickedness as what is there of which that woman is not capable who could sell to sale the honour of an innocent, unsuspecting creature left to her guardianship. November the 23rd. Amazing, my dear Cecilia! I thought I should wonder no more at anything. Yet is my wonder now raised to astonishment. I have just received a letter from Lady V., I have read it over and over again, and can yet scarce believe my senses. Here it is, in her own words. To Sydney from Lady V. I suppose you know, my dear Mrs. Arnold, that your husband is in town, and that he left Mrs. Gerard behind him, for no other reason, I imagine, but that he did not choose to be quite so scandalous as to let her travel with him, for we heard that she purposed following him in a few days. Patty, I conclude, may have informed you of thus much, but the extraordinary part of the intelligence, I believe, is reserved for me to acquaint you with. Know, then, that Mrs. Gerard is eloped. Nobody knows whither. 
good say you good should i say too but for the conclusion of my story it is with mr falkland she is eloped tis positively true she went off with him in triumph last night in her own chariot and neither of them have been heard of since i own i am so confounded by this i scarce know what i write i am very glad for your sake that bad creature has quitted your husband but that she should have drawn my cousin falkland in is matter of serious concern to me it is evident the plan was previously concerted between them for i am informed to-day that mrs gerard's maid decamped at the same time and took with her everything valuable belonging to her mistress several of her drawers being found open and empty mr falkland's servants have also disappeared so that we cannot conjecture which way they are gone mr falkland who was about leaving us asked my permission to give a ball to the neighbouring ladies in our new room which is just finished as i concluded he would ask nobody but our own acquaintance i readily consented and my lord you know is fond of these frolics i own i was surprised to see mrs gerard amongst the company as undaunted as the modestest face there i would not however affront mr falkland so much as to show any disrespect to one who was at that time his guest but i was out of all patience to find that she along with several others was asked to supper my too good-natured lord joining in the invitation mr falkland made a pretence to wait on her home and the audacious creature took that opportunity to march off with him now as falkland really purposed leaving the hall the next day i think it would have been but decent in him to have forbore this piece of barefaced libertinism till he was fairly from under our roof he might have made his assignation in any other place but i suppose the lady had a mind to show the world she is above restraint and chose to make her infamy a sort of triumph i am quite angry with my lord for only laughing at this and calling it a piece of spirited gallantry in them both he says he is delighted to think how your good man will shake his ears when he hears his mistress has left him in the lurch and gone off with another lover i should smile too but that it makes me sad to think that mr falkland of whom i had so good an opinion should so impose upon my judgment and forfeit his own character for so vile a creature pardon me my dear madam i am so full of my own reflections on the interest i take in this affair that i have been forgetful of how much more moment it may be of to you heaven grant that your husband may think of making himself amends in returning to a faithful and amiable wife for the loss of a deceitful jilting mistress surely this event must open his eyes or he deserves to lose them i hope to embrace you in london in a very little time till then believe me my dear mrs arnold your most assured friend and servant v hall november the twenty first a v well my cecilia what say you to this are you not as much surprised as i am mr falkland 
to emerge at last the favoured gallant of mrs gerard prodigious i confess my dear i am so selfish as not to participate with lady v in her uneasiness on this occasion that mrs gerard flies from my husband i am glad and that mr falkland is the very man she chose to fly with i am still gladder he of all men living i would have wished though least expected to be the person this explains everything that is past surely as lady v says this must open mr arnold's eyes i can now discover a double reason for my poor deluded man's having his imagination poisoned with jealousy mrs gerard did not aim singly at separating my husband and me this perhaps was but a secondary consideration or who knows whether it was at all intended but she most certainly designed to secure herself against all suspicions by making me the object of them and effectually to blind mr arnold persuading him that mr falkland's visits made to her were only in the hopes of seeing me let her views have been what they would this event was beyond my hopes some glimmerings of comfort begin to break in upon me methinks my heart feels much lighter than it did how sir george will stare at this account my mother will lift up her eyes but she has no opinion of mr falkland's morals and therefore will be the less surprised i pity miss birchall this is an irremediable bar to her hopes faint and insupported as they were before they must now entirely vanish november the twenty fourth i gave you a copy of lady v s letter while the subject was warm at my heart and before i showed it to any one but my mother and my brother have now both seen it my mother just as i expected without any great emotions of surprise only exclaimed against their wickedness but said she could not help rejoicing in it as i she hoped would derive happiness from their accumulated crimes sir george read the letter twice over before he uttered a word and then said it was strange upon his soul most unaccountable and that either falkland was run mad or that woman had bewitched him when he was with me said he at sydney castle he did not so much as mention her i asked him whether he was acquainted with mr arnold for i had written him word of your marriage when he was abroad he told me he had seen both you and him two or three times at lord v s but that as he did not wish to renew his acquaintance with you he had never visited your husband i presume he was not then a stranger to his connection with mrs gerard at least the conjectures of the neighbourhood upon it but as it was then but a matter of opinion and he knew not of the difference between you and your husband tis probably did not choose to discuss me more against my brother-in-law by hinting at this circumstance he expressed great acknowledgments to my mother when i told him of the notice she had taken of miss birchall though he said he found from my account of your marriage that she had deferred her conference with that young lady 
till it was too late for her testimony to be of any service to him. As I knew nothing of what had passed between my mother and Miss Birchall, I could give him no satisfaction on that subject, and the recollection of past transactions being equally disagreeable to us both, I avoided ever mentioning them after our first conversation. Nor do I remember that Mrs. Gerard's name occurred once. My mother now began to exult over Sir George, and took advantage of the surprise and consternation that Lady V.'s letter had thrown him into. "'This is your boasted friend,' said she, "'the man whose honour and generosity were not to be questioned, and whose utmost crime was a youthful folly that he was surprised into with a silly girl. I am pleased, however, that this has proved I was not so grossly mistaken in believing him a loose man. Mrs. Gerard is the fittest mate for him, and I am glad they are gone together.' Sir George was too much mortified at the flagrant misconduct of his friend to attempt excusing him. He contented himself with repeating, "'It was the strangest thing he ever knew in his life.' My mother then told him Mr. Arnold was come to town, and that, as things had taken such a turn, she hoped herself to be able to bring him to the use of his judgment, and therefore thought it would not be at all necessary for my brother to interfere. Sir George said, with all his heart, if her ladyship would be able to patch up a reconciliation, that would save his sister's credit, and she could be so extremely pliant as to think of living with such a husband again, he should not give himself any farther trouble about the matter. But, in his opinion, the affair wore a much odder aspect than it did before. I find Mr. Falkland's behaviour sticks with him, and has a little cooled his zeal towards him. November the 25th I have had a letter from Patty, who confirms my Lady V's account of the lover's flight and she tells me one of Mrs. Gerard's servants is gone off express to town. I suppose to bring Mr. Arnold the news, for they are all in confusion at her house, and know not what is to become of their mistress. But they are certain she is gone with Mr. Falkland. Patty adds, the servants believe this scheme had long been concerted, Mr. Falkland having been a private visitor to their mistress for a good while. I must confess I am astonished at it. It has sunk the man extremely, in my opinion. November the 26th. Miss Birchall has just been here. Poor creature, she is quite stunned with the news. She could scarce believe it at first, till my mother desired I should show her Lady V's letter, and Patty's, which corroborated all she said. She then gave way to tears and lamentations, saying, "'That cruel woman was born to be the destruction of everybody she had any connection with. I have found it so. You, madam, to me—' have done so too. Mr. Arnold, I believe, has been a great sufferer. Mr. Falkland is now her victim. Inconsiderate and barbarous as he is, 
I grieve for him. November the 30th I have heard nothing of Mr. Arnold. Indeed, it is hardly possible that I should. We are shut up here from all commerce with the world. My mother's illness has confined her to her bedchamber. We admit no visitors, and I never leave her. I long to know how he takes the ingratitude of his mistress, but I see nobody who converses with him. My brother and Miss Birchill are the only people we see. The latter is pretty often with us. As for Sir George, he only looks in upon us now and then, and we all seem in an awkward situation. I wish my mother were well enough to call on Mr. Arnold. I am very anxious to know what his sentiments are, at least in regard to Mrs. Gerard. December the 1st I have been almost asleep, my dear Cecilia, for this week past, but I have been roused this morning in a most extraordinary manner. Sir George called on us. He ran upstairs in a violent hurry and had a countenance when he entered the room that spoke wonders before he opened his mouth. He hardly gave himself time to ask me how I did though he had not seen me for three days, before he took a bundle of papers out of his pocket which he gave me. "'Tis from Falkland,' he said, and may be worth your knowledge. Upon opening the cover I found it contained at least four sheets of paper, written on every side. "'Bless me, brother,' said I, "'do you expect I should take the trouble to read all this?' He answered, "'You may read it at your leisure.' you will find it will pay you for the mighty trouble of a perusal. Sir George left me presently, and having read this extraordinary letter to myself, for I happened to be in my own room when my brother came to me, I sat me down to give you a copy of it. My mother, who coughed almost the whole night, is now endeavouring to get a little sleep so that I will scribble on as fast as I can, while I have no interruption. To George from Falkland, Boulogne, November the 25th, 1705 My dear Bidolph, I am in haste to vindicate myself to you, but in much more haste to do so to Mrs. Arnold, who, if she bestows a thought at all on me, must, I am sure, hold me in the utmost contempt and great reason would she have if things were always as they appear. Methinks I see her beautiful scorn at hearing I had carried off Mrs. Gerard. What a paltry fellow she must think me too! And yet I have carried her off, and she is now in my possession, not displeased with her situation, and I might, if I would, be as happy as Mrs. Gerard can make me. But I assure you, Sir George, I have no designs but what are for the good, both of her soul and body, and I have hitherto treated her like a vestal. What a paradox is here, say you, but have patience till I tell you the story of my knight-errantry. You are to know, then, that as Arnold's amour with Mrs. Gerard was no secret at V. Hall, from the moment I heard it, I meditated a design of breaking the detestable union, not out of regard either to him or her, but in hopes of restoring to the most amiable of women 
a besotted husband's heart, which nothing but downright magic, infernal witchcraft, could have robbed her of. The woman is handsome, tis true, but she is a silly toad, and as fantastic as an ape. I had formed this design, I say, from the first notice I had of the intrigue, and in consequence of this resolved to renew my acquaintance with Mrs. Gerard, for I had known her before, known her to my cost. She it was, this identical devil, whom I have now in my power, that was the cause of Miss Birchall's misfortune, and therefore the remote cause of my losing Miss Biddulph. Had it not been for her, I should never have had the fall of that unhappy girl to answer for. I should not, I say, mark that, for the mercenary witch was determined to sell her to somebody, when my ill-stars threw me in her way. I do not rank this affair in the number of capital crimes, and yet I never think of it without a pang. If half of my fortune would retrieve the girl's peace of mind, I would give it freely but it is past now and cannot be helped. She had the good fortune never to be suspected, and if she keeps her own counsel probably never will. If I die a bachelor, as I believe I shall, I will leave her my whole fortune. What can a man do more? How I ramble from my subject! I meant only to tell you what my design was in carrying off Mrs. Gerard. In order to effect it, as I said before, it was necessary for me to renew my acquaintance with her, and accordingly I put on a bold face and made her a visit. She was not surprised at this, our former intimacy giving me a sufficient pretense for it. She received me with a pleased familiarity which convinced me my company was far from being disagreeable to her, and I am sure, had my views been other than they were, I should have met with as kind a reception as my heart could have wished, for she certainly thought of retaining me in her service unknown to Arnold. I was soon aware of this, for though she often desired to see me, she always contrived it as such times as she was sure of not being surprised by him. This was in some measure meeting my purpose half-way, but though I wanted to disengage her from Arnold, I did not mean to sacrifice myself to her, and our views in the material point were very different. Mine were only to part her from her gallant, hers were to share her favours between us, for she did not intend to let go her hold on him and I believe my backwardness in pushing my good fortune began to disgust her. But the time for carrying my plan into execution was not yet arrived. It could not be till Arnold's departure from South Park. I meant to carry Mrs. Gerard away, with the appearance of her own consent, and I knew this was impossible whilst her lover remained so near her. I had formed but a rough sketch of my plan when I received your letter which summoned me to Sydney Castle, and I resolved not to apprise you of it till my enterprise was crowned with success, more especially as you were then quite ignorant of your sister's wrongs. 
on my return from visiting you the first news i heard at v hall was that mr arnold and his lady were parted i cursed my own dilatoriness that i had not executed my plan before things were brought to such extremities for i well knew it was that artful fiend who had occasioned it though i then little thought how fatally i had contributed towards the misfortune of the ever amiable and most respectable of women lady v told me that your sister having discovered her husband's infidelity had left him on that account but my lord soon let me into the whole secret oh sir george that angel who deserved the first monarch in the universe to be cast off by an undeserving dolt and i though innocently the accursed cause i cannot think with patience of what the divine creature has suffered on my account but was it not all from the beginning owing to mrs gerard that avenging fury sent on earth as a scourge for the sins of me and of my ancestors i rave but no wonder i am mad upon this subject but to return i then recollected that the day before i set out for sydney castle i received a message from mrs gerard in the morning desiring my company to drink coffee with her that evening i obeyed the summons little expecting to meet mrs arnold at her house whom i had never seen there before the effect my presence had on her extremely surprised me she presently quitted the room mrs gerard took that opportunity of telling me that she had dropped in on her very unexpectedly but that as she supposed she would go directly away we should have an hour to chat by ourselves she then followed your sister out and i remained alone in the parlour while i was reflecting on this odd encounter which i did not then imagine had been brought about by design mrs gerard came in to me saying your sister was so ill she was under a necessity of accompanying her home and had ordered her chariot for that purpose she made me an apology for being obliged to leave me and said she should be glad to see me the next day i took my leave and in going out saw mr arnold at the door which i judged was the true reason of mrs gerard's dismissing me i set out for wiltshire the next morning and though there was something odd in the whole of this incident i believe it was owing to chance alone and thought no more of it till upon my lord v's telling me the true cause of your sister's disgrace i found that this serpent had laid the whole plan on purpose to destroy her you see for to be sure you know all the particulars how she seduced the innocent mrs arnold into this fatal visit having first engaged me to come at the very point of time when she knew the husband would surprise us for his coming you may be satisfied was not unexpected i own to you sir george in the first motions of my rage i could have stabbed arnold mrs gerard and myself but my lord v calmed my transports by telling me that it was your sister's earnest request that this detestable secret should be kept from my knowledge 
and that Lady V, who had entrusted to him with it, would never forgive him if she knew he had divulged it. This reflection brought me back to my senses, and I burned with impatience to execute my first plan, which Mrs. Gerard's repeated crimes now called upon me to accelerate. I communicated my design to Lord V, who was delighted with it, for he perfectly adores your sister. This, said he, though not such a vengeance as that wicked woman deserves, must in the end be productive of what you wish, and Mrs. Arnold may be restored to her peace without injury to her character or mischief to anybody. Having settled my measures with Lord V, I went to pay a visit to Mrs. Gerard. The cockatrice affected to speak with surprise and concern of your sister's separation from her husband. I asked her had she, who was so intimate with both, heard any reason assigned for it. She shook her head, and by a pretended sorrow in her looks and a mysterious silence, invited me to press for an explanation of her meaning. She told me at length, with a seeming reluctance, that poor Mrs. Arnold, though to be sure she was a sensible woman, was not without the little frailties and passions of her sex, and that, astonishing and groundless as her suspicions were, she had taken it into her head to be jealous of Mr. Arnold, and with whom do you think of all people in the world she suspects him? I cannot imagine, said I. Why, truly, with me, replied the undaunted Jezebel, and looked as if she expected I should be as much amazed as she pretended to be. I affected to laugh at it, and changing the discourse put an end to my visit. The measures I had to observe required some management. It would not answer the full extent of my purpose to rob Mr. Arnold of his dear, if it did not appear at the same time that she had left him with her own consent. To bring about this it was necessary that the flight on her part should seem premeditated, which would not carry any face unless she took with her such of her movables as were most valuable. This I knew could not be done without the assistance of her maid, whom I therefore not only resolved to trust, but also to make her a partner in her mistress's elopement. End of section 17